I mean, these are the things that I think about. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be, and welcome to It's So Real. With your boy Elso. And your girl Rocky. What's good, beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Another one. I love doing this, baby. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy. Yeah, we get to express ourselves and talk about what we want to talk about. So what are we talking about today? Today, <laughs> we are talking about insecurities. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Um, I did not look up ahead of time if we had any previous podcasts that relate to it. Mm, I'm sure we do. Because we're always <laughs> talking about mo- uh, growth and development. Yeah. Because we have like a whole playlist on our YouTube channel. For growth, that. mind, body, and spirit, baby. Yep. So sure there are plenty yeah i just i didn't look it up and i didn't really feel like going through the catalog but there is a catalog so check it out (laughs) all right so let's just get started any other church announcements um (laughs) no not really that's that's pretty much it right now Okay, well, I thought of one mid. <laughs> I saw. I was like, let me just let you go. Because you seemed um, like you had something. I did. Okay, so not only should our listeners and watchers subscribe to our It's So Real podcast YouTube channel, yes. but they should also subscribe to my own personal Life is Rocky YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited about doing uh, my channel and building up my channel. I will be taking if you follow me on instagram uh i'm taking my reflections and putting them on youtube i'm also adding um just different things that i do so like working out dancing uh painting my poetry performances and i will also be including a becoming a feminine woman series on the life is rocky youtube channel so definitely subscribe to that and check that out yeah um okay so it's a follow-up because you made me think about my own channel. Yeah. Uh, so Smart Love is finally coming back. Two T's, baby. Yeah. Uh, the long-awaited return of my relationship uh, coaching and advice uh, channel. Yes. Specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, focusing on the improvement and development of black men when it comes mm-hmm. to their ability to relate to our black women <laughs> yeah. in the community. Mm-hmm. Um talking about some of their vulnerabilities, insecurities, mm-hmm. the stuff that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. um, and being better than they were prior to, you know, coming to the channel. That's what the channel's about. Yeah. Uh, leveling up, if you will. <laughs> Shout out to the roommates Shout podcast. Shout out to our roommates. <laughs> you don't got your shirt on today. I don't got it today, you know, laundry, but hey. You know. <laughs> Shout out to them. Um, um, so that's Smart Love with two T's. Yes. Uh, check that channel out, um, and you'll see all the advice. I've already done some past stuff, uh, some old videos, but now it's updated content with my new perspective and yes. fresh. And you will uh, also be doing reaction videos yes. on that channel. I will. Mm-hmm. I'll actually be doing a lot of reactions to the roommates. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said in the last episode, uh, they're very much inspiring me to join that sphere of men's development and mm-hmm. helping men become the best version of themselves so yes. that they can get the best lives and relationships that they want mm-hmm. um yeah so 
definitely gonna be doing some reactions on there. Some Auburn preaching, you know, some other stuff, FTRs, all them good things. But uh, check us out, man. We're growing. We're growing. Mm -hmm. The podcast is not just the only place where we're putting out content. Yeah, um, that's our joint venture. Yeah. Yes. You know, so check us out. Mm -hmm. New and improved channels coming on the yes, way. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited. All right, so let's get to today's show. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off with our two sides of the same coin segment. Remember, our two sides segment is where we flip a coin. Whoever uh, calls it and wins answers the question first. And whoever wins, although we don't, we don't have that many questions for this episode, so we'll just decide how the either or goes. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, so go ahead and call it. I'm going ahead today. All right, you remember what heads is? Nope. Not the 100. <laughs> so well, I guess I didn't win. You didn't get it. Okay. <laughs> I know never win. This you coin have, don't like you me. You have your date. Well, find the other quarter. It's around here somewhere. <laughs> he be losing them, taking them away in his pockets and shit. <laughs> My instinct is to put like stuff like that in my pocket. It's like me with a lighter or something else mm -hmm. like that. It's like, yeah. I don't mean to take it. It's just kind of <laughs> instinctual. Well, we'll see where it turns out. I hate when people take my lighters, too. Yeah. Mm. You good? Yeah. Um, so, today's first question. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me get some water for this. <laughs> take your time. Okay, so well, there, I love my podcast. there <laughs> is a two-part question. Well, yes. technically, it's like four parts. <laughs> so, technically, yeah. so I'm going to break it down. Bear with me. I'm going to repeat it when it comes back to you. Okay. Um, Just so everybody knows. Actually, I kind of want to tag team this and go between. So, like, we both do that. We both do that. We both yeah, do that. that's, that's okay. cool. Okay. All right. So you we get to go first. Yeah. We decided. All right. What is the question? All right. The question <laughs> is. What was your biggest insecurities from ages 1 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 until now, and how did you overcome them? Mm. Oh, we're getting deep today. <laughs> okay. Whew. Jesus. Okay, so what were some... So I'm going to answer first 1 to 10, and then you're going to answer 1, one to, to 10. 10 yep. Okay. Um... So my biggest insecurities from one to ten. I think I know, but I'm not sure. It was ugly duckling years, y'all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like one, my um, crush in fourth grade. It Crushed was. You. It could definitely have been a polyamorous situation, but we didn't know all about that because he liked three of my friends and I. So it was two other girls and me. And then he only chose one of us, even though we all liked him too. It definitely, like, if monogamy wasn't in the thing, it definitely could have, could have. We, what is a boyfriend in fourth grade? What is a girlfriend? Come on now. It could have worked. But anyways, so therefore, he chose one of my friends, but then was still flirting with me. So I called him out on it. And then, because I guess he got caught. And again, it wasn't allowed to like multiple people at the same time his brother to get me stop calling him out with, Hey, you like me. Why don't you just own that? <laughs> uh, his brother called me ugly and mm. that stuck with me throughout the rest of my teenage years. So that shit hurt. 
Mm. Um, then another guy at the same school. This was before I moved. So with the damn black boys. Why y'all trying to take a sister down? But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one boy said I had a mustache. Now, mind you, I started my puberty mm. at nine. So I was very early compared to my peers. So hair was growing. Um, I developed earlier with my chest tube, but other women caught up and then now did. But but um, but it was it was still early. So so one guy said I had a mustache and it was just more hair there. I don't have a mustache, but sometimes there's hair, you know. Um, so that was just another level to my insecurity. Hmm. I had glasses. I had braces. Like when I tell you <clears throat> ugly duckling, <laughs> hmm. it really was. It, it really was. Um, and then I was also skinny as a rail. I was skin and bone, y'all. Skin and fucking bone. And mind you, I'm growing up in a culture, a black culture, where curves are what are appreciated. And that's all I ever wanted. And it just was not happening in my youth. So how did I overcome those insecurities? Um, honestly, it didn't, I didn't overcome them until I moved to the next age range. So 10 to 20, mm. like one to 10, that's when all the, the external kind of factors hit me and those messages were received and I was just in it feeling insecure. And then it wasn't until the 10 to 20 age range where I started overcoming them. I got my contacts. I got my braces off. Mm -hmm. I started getting my hair done. I started expressing myself through fashion and dressing. And I was getting it. Yes. Um, and that's when I started actually getting boyfriends, um, was dancing at parties. So, like, it, it, I was just growing more into myself. Mm -hmm. And it really was the contacts and braces that immediately... <laughs> Like, cause that was eighth grade when I was 13. And that immediately was like, oh, I'm fine now. Cause I got my glasses, what, in third grade? I'm blind as a bat, y'all. <laughs> ah, so yeah. So what about you? What were your insecurities from ages one to 10? My insecurities from ages one to 10. Okay. Um. So I think my biggest insecurity was First, let me start off by saying these are very uh, formative years. <laughs> these years, um, when you first experience something as a child, mm -hmm. it's like it hits. It, it is hits hard. hard because this is like your first time experiencing whatever that might be. Same thing when it comes to joyous occasions as well, like your first birthday party. We always remember mm -hmm. like those parties being like so much fun. And really, they were pretty simple. <laughs> but because Similar we times. were, yeah, because it's like our first time experiencing some of these mm -hmm. things. It's it's like all that energy mm -hmm. was put into that, and you're like, Novelty. oh my gosh, yeah, yeah it's something new. Mm -hmm. um, but the same thing goes for negative uh, experiences or traumas, injuries to your your ego, ego yourself. <laughs> so that happens as well. So mm -hmm. with that being said, for me, I was actually doing really well. Like I think going into my my young uh, child, like my childhood from ages one to ten, like I was pretty well up until a certain point, and and then a big insecurity happened because I was always very social. Uh, I was always in talent shows and doing all this other stuff, and like you know, naturally just a 
a bubbly personality as a, as a child. Uh, but then I took a trip down to Guyana. This was in the second grade, I think. Yeah, this was in the second grade. So I took a, a trip down to Guyana, um, and there was a connecting flight from Antigua to, I think, Florida and then back home, you know, to Jersey, mm. where I lived at the time. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I got the chicken pox. I got the chicken pox uh, in Antigua, so I couldn't even go back home. So it was kind of screwed up because that's back then when chicken pox was a thing. Like, now that's yeah. not even... Not even you know I, what happened. I think my niece had chicken pox, and then they were like, my parents and my sister were like, well, we're not about to go through this shit twice. Come on over here. So, so my name, first name is Ashley. So Ashley can get it, so they can go through this together. <laughs> but now I, I think there's a vaccine because no kids get that nowadays. Yeah, there's yeah. like there's no, there's not a thing anymore. Mm -mm. Um, so you know, for all those who are like fearful of vaccines, <laughs> right, <laughs> clearly right. some of them work. You and know, they do their job. And '90s babies have this experience with chicken pox. Yeah, so I think you know, not to go on a revenge, a vaccine tangent, but because this is a totally different show, <laughs> but um, clear, <laughs> clearly some of them work. You know? uh, but anyways, with chickenpox, for a lot of people, depending on how it goes, it can be pretty severe, or it can be mild, like any other like kind of disease. So for me, I got it pretty bad, like really, really bad, to the point where I could have potentially died because people who have had gotten chicken pox to the extent that I was getting it their throat would almost close up because mm -hmm. like it's like it's affecting their passageway to their esophagus and everything else like that mm -hmm. so for me it wasn't that bad but it was popping up in certain places where I felt like it might have was about to go to that mm -hmm. place but fortunately I um I was fine but I got a whole bunch of scars from it I don't know if you can really see them now but like there, I have tattoos and all that over them now. But um, there's like they embrace them. Yeah, the, but there's some scars still like on my arm. Um, I think you might be able to see this one better. So I still got like some scars here. So right now, yeah, like even if you're looking at them on the camera, you're probably like it was not even a big deal. I can't even see it. But for me, when I was younger, um, that was a huge deal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, back in the gym, y'all. Finally, back in the gym. <laughs> I squeezed this arm for those who are listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was, you know, all the points. They was board. out. They was <laughs> the out. guns was out. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I was younger in the second grade, that was a huge deal for me. Like it was, that was like the biggest deal ever because mm -hmm. I thought, you know, it, it shot my self confidence. I went from being like very outgoing to shy because I was afraid of what other people would think of me before I even showed up. So mm. I was always thinking about what somebody thought of me going into an interaction. Mm. That's really kind of a neg like yeah. it's not the best way to approach any interaction because mm -hmm. then you're already on the defense. Mm -hmm. You're already like self-conscious and you're not putting yourself out there really. You're mm -hmm. actually just making sure that you're safe before you put yourself out there. And and you're more appeasing others than you yeah. are like being yourself. Right. You're you're looking for acceptance from others before you even 
evaluate whether whether they're worth yeah you know mm-hmm. your time mm-hmm. and i think that was a theme that followed throughout my life up until a certain point like how you were saying which we'll get to when we get to the more 10s to 20s and 20s to mm-hmm. now you ain't even hit 30 yet but you know next year next year i'll say 10, 20s to 30s <laughs> uh but yeah that was my my journey when I, my, like when it came from being one to 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Other insecurities might have been like academics and um, comparisons to my brother because he was really mm-hmm. good at other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that was, to me, that wasn't that big of a deal. That, that I don't mind. It actually pushed me to become better. And there was a piece of that that also ties into my identity that I can talk about later. But yeah, I think that would be it for me when it comes to Ages okay. one through ten. Okay. That, the, the chicken pox got me out. Yeah. That was that was a big one. I was like, Ugh. Yeah. so insecure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've definitely uh, seen you grown in that area, um, just in your confidence. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Um. All right. So, part two. <laughs> what was your biggest insecurities from ages ten to twenty, and how did you overcome them? So I think for me, I moved from a metropolitan, diverse area to a majority white rural area when I was 10 years old. So from 10 to damn near 20, I felt really disconnected from black culture. Now, mind you... I was still going to a black church. I still had black family. Um, Once I got to driving age, I would definitely skedaddle 30 minutes down the roads where there were more black people. My niece went to, so mind you, for perspective, we had about 10 black students at our school in total. And it was a amount of maybe a thousand to 2000 students in the school. Whereas uh, my niece's um, school had about 80 in the entire school. And hers may have been a little bit more, two to 3,000, I think, in the whole school. So more than us, still not a lot, but more than us. Um, so I would always go to her homecoming. <laughs> mm. Like every single homecoming that she had, I was there. I was her date because <laughs> I needed some blackness, right? So I was constantly seeking it. But some of the aspects that I missed out on was like, I didn't go to school with the kids I was partying with on the weekends. So like, I didn't build those connections. Cause like, I just, I didn't see them regularly, you know? Mm. And then like, we were talking about it the other day, like how black boys be the class clowns and stuff. Like I didn't experience that. And, and, and I always wanted to step at my school. And I did my freshman year, they told me that uh, my high school was getting a step team and I couldn't believe it. And they were. But like I was the I was the the captain. Yeah, I taught the steps, so I didn't get, I didn't want to have to be in that. I wanted to be immersed <clears throat> in the culture and other people teaching me about the culture. But I didn't have that, so I was literally just making shit up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> literally, um, just what I liked. And and I really, yeah, I felt like I was I was missing out on a piece of of black culture just because I wasn't as immersed in it. I still had ties to it. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't immersed in it. It wasn't my day to day, and I re- and I really I really felt disconnected from it. Um, I remember in middle school, 
like mind you, I was the only black student in my elementary school. It only had third, fourth and fifth graders, but I was the only black student until somebody moved there. And then, um, then it was two of us and then middle school, a couple more towns, Mm-hmm. Uh, went to the middle school so there was a couple more so I would sit with them at lunch and my white friends were like oh you sitting with the black kids and I'm like yeah they don't ask me questions about my hair or try to touch it <laughs> you know so like I, I was feeling it and I knew the differences because I was I experienced the other school I knew the for what how long five years Um, so I knew the differences <laughs> and I felt so disconnected like so yeah so the first day I walked into my white school and I sat down and I looked around, saw no other, even students of color, Jesus, but um, no other black students. Went to the cafeteria at lunch, looked around, I ain't seen nobody else. And I was like, well, I'm going to an HBCU. And I did, Hampton University. Shout out. <laughs> Shout I out to all the HBCUs. Yes, Alumni yes. out there. Yes. And current students. Shout out to y'all. Yes. Um, cause I needed, I needed to get my blackness back. I needed to get back yeah. my culture. I was like, I need to be immersed in this shit because I missed out on eight years, mm. you know? And those were like significant years, you know, <laughs> my teenage years. So I definitely felt that lack. And again, I, I told you how I tried to overcome some of those things. Um, but a big thing that I realized that I did was I kind of jumped into Spanish culture. Um, well, Hispanic culture, but I was learning the language of Spanish Mm -hmm. and that made me jump into that culture just because it was something else that I could actually connect to. Now, mind you, this is what early two thousands. So internet was just, you know, like I didn't have access to, you know how Afrocentric I am. Like I didn't have access to clothes and jewelry and, and music and learning about like, you know, like I didn't have access to that. So it was a culture that was easily accessible to me that I could learn about. I could eat, I could actually study a language. So I jumped into that. But as soon as I went to Hampton, I let that go. Cause I was like, this is what I wanted. Mm. And, and I definitely did it. I was a part of the African student association, even though I'm an African American or black American as I identify now. But yeah, like I, I definitely felt that disconnect and, and, those are some of the ways I tried to try to overcome it. I'm 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 definitely good now being in Oakland, California, <laughs> working at a black practice. <laughs> yeah. Being in a black bubble. <laughs> I really am. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I I understand. I made that. the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I understand the need for that, like given your past experiences for sure. And it was a racist town, y'all. Like the KKK was known like the grandmaster was known to be there. In fact, when I was at Hampton, they actually sent the KKK sent flyers out the main square. Like, so flyers on people's doorsteps asking people to join them. And that was when I was in undergrad. So 2010 plus. So yeah, like that's where I lived. (laughs) But anyways, what were your biggest insecurities from ages 10 to 20 and how did you overcome them? All right, uh, from 10 to 20. So these were very interesting times for me as a young Martin. As a young Martin, uh, I would say my biggest insecurity at that time was kind of the lack of confidence and searching for what, like, manhood was and who I, how I fit into that that 
how I fit into like masculinity and manhood without losing my how would I say like losing my soul if I would like mm-hmm. I, I I tied masculinity I think I might have talked about this in another episode but um just check out all our episodes and find out which one. Um, but yeah, when it comes to masculinity, I think I tied it into and, and bunched it with uh, toxicity and the toxic masculinity that might be talked about mm. a lot today. Mm-hmm. So I kind of looped those together, just like how I think a lot of um, feminists. Uh, or people who view uh, feminism loop, loop it all to get together in terms of the toxic femininity that we see today. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just work I had to do at that time. So on top of like the whole chicken pox things where it came to my image, I started to get over that a little bit more because I was in a setting going in from co-ed in elementary school to a all-boys school um, uh, from middle to through high school. So... Starting in seventh grade, I was in an all-boys environment. And there, I saw all types of dudes. I saw dudes who were, like, you know, not attractive at all just by, like, standards of, of the dating marketplace. I saw dudes who were literally going to the NBA. Like, J.R. Wow. Smith went to my high school. <laughs> so we had, like, the whole spectrum of dudes there. And, you know, there was masculinity and all types of different forms throughout that school. So it was like figuring out what type of man I was, what parts of masculinity I identified with and what parts of masculinity I wanted to kind of reject or toxic masculinity that I saw that I wanted to reject. Mm -hmm. Um, What images of masculinity were false representations? Which ones were authentic? Uh, That was really the struggle. That was the struggle Mm -hmm. between me. And and I think that played out with my first first girlfriend, I talked. I almost said her damn name. Woo! Let me chill out. Hold up. I don't know if she listens to the podcast or not. She probably don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But my first girlfriend in high school, I was unable or unable to unable. I was unable to truly uh, authentically be vulnerable and express my feelings because of my lack of communication skills for one. Um, And also like my lack of, I think, values when it comes to honoring those around me and being upfront. And I think that's masculine, being upfront, not running or shying away from difficult conversations just because they might be difficult. Uh, That is something that I don't think was mild for me. Ghosting, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. not communicating, all those things were like way more easily ex- uh, accepted on the masculine side back then. So I think that was my biggest challenge was figuring out who I was as a man. And then that also through the 18, 19s and twenties, it leads into college. And I think that's when I really started to figure it out. Cause again, I'm seeing more men, but now Hampton. I'm seeing them in the, in the co-ed st- setting again, but this is not like a uh, your typical co-ed Saying this is like this is Hampton University, some of the finest women ever. Like more than Spelman, which is shocking. Yeah, because Spelman's a woman's college. Like how? Because I wasn't going to exactly. Because a lot of women are like, I I want to find a husband. Well, yeah, 
<laughs> kind of. Like Listen, a lot, a lot of women went into HBCU. Into, this is prime pool. Yeah. Prime pool, okay? These are all black men that are, are most likely going to be doing pretty hey, big things. You know, shit. Yeah. I got me one. Minimum, <laughs> you know, you're going to be doing all right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my experience. I think I got over those insecurities by constantly asking and questioning myself. So I guess that's probably why I'm at now, why I am the way I am. Because mm-hmm. even the insecurities that I have now, um, which I'll go into on the next <laughs> tier, I'm always questioning and reflecting. Mm-hmm. So I think that habit of doing that and being critical of myself allows me to improve quicker than a lot of other people who I think might know their insecurities but don't like do anything about it or might know, not know them at all. And yeah, just a lot of people just lack the awareness. Yeah. You know, controlling certain aspects of their behavior that they're not even um, mm-hmm. privy to. So. Self-reflection, y'all. Self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah, like I knew... I knew, yeah, I knew the direct impact of my insecurities. What was the catalyst? And like, I was very aware of that. Um, so I had more strategies on how to overcome it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So the tattoos, got to mention that. All right. So I think it was 18 or 19. I'm not even sure which year it was. Mm-hmm. Whenever I turned 18 or 19, I decided I was going to redefine the scars on my body and make them my own. So that's where the tattoos come into play. So... I have love on my right, um, on my left arm, close to my heart. I have right, uh, hope on my right arm. Um, going into, I'm right-handed, so every situation I go into, my instinct is going to with hope and optimism. Um, and then on my chest, that's my baby, y'all. On my chest, I have uh, faith. So that's like the centerpiece, the thing that comes together and, and ties all, all three of them is faith within myself, faith within my journey, and faith within, yeah, my true inner self and the ability to to be resilient and to make it through things. So I, I tied myself on all, on all three parts of my body right there where some of the scars were. And since then, like, I see, like, my marks all the time. But it's like, what I really see is my mark on them, like how I redefined what my insecurity was and what it meant. I think... That was also a really pivotal, 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 <laughs> that was funny, pivotal point in my life because it was kind of like a real world example of me taking my insecurities and making them my own instead of my insecurities owning me, you know? So it was a, it was a powerful moment. And from there, I think my confidence shot up a lot. Uh, not just because I got tatted, it's not just because of that, uh, but because of what I chose to get tatted and why, the reasons behind it. Yeah. Do you see why I love this man? Like, ah, I'm so attracted to you right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know what's going on. Yes. Uh, uh, I love him so much. Yeah, okay, let me I'll control myself. <laughs> we still recording for a while. Yeah. All right. Thank you for sharing that, baby. That mm-hmm. was beautiful. Uh, that actually reminded me, my first tattoo um, is over my heart, <laughs> and it's Nubani, which means home in Swahili. Because, um, again, I was owning that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, last year, twenties <laughs> to now. So, what was your biggest insecurities from ages twenty till now, and how did you overcome them? Mm. So, I think, um, twenty to twenty-five, mm. I had some insecurities about my identity but by 21 22 i figured it out (laughs) (laughs) so i wouldn't really uh, it was it was yeah i i was i was coming into myself in after 20 um so i was i was pretty good those first five years like i moved to california i was in my mft program um, I decided to move to Oakland. Like I was doing really well in me um, during that time. I think after that, <laughs> especially my t- quarter life crisis, um, my insecurities were as a wife, uh, as a mother, and and within my career. And these insecurities. Hmm. Like when I hit 25 and things weren't really working out with you, I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to have a romantic life partner. This was before I I questioned my sexuality or anything like that. So I was like, I just, I guess that's, that's not in the cards for me. And so it was that it was cause I had been single for seven. How long? we got together when I was 26. So six years at that point. Um, so like it wasn't looking good. You know? <laughs> so, so I was, like, I was, time's up. yeah, I was very insecure about it. And then again, I'm very aware <laughs> of like, I don't need my partner to be college educated. I just need them to be knowledgeable and mentally stimulating. But I was aware of the numbers and I had two degrees at that point. I was aware. So I was just like, well, guess it's not in the cards for me um and i was accepting of that uh but i was insecure about that because it was like Mm. that's not what i wanted you know i wanted a a life partner but it just didn't look realistic at that time Mm. so then once i did get a life partner thank you baby um uh i was in i was i was so insecure so this was my first long-term relationship this was my he's aware (laughs) This was my first healthy relationship. Look, this was also a committed life partnership. Like we began our relationship committing to each other as life partners. So there was a hell of a lot of growth and a lot of insecurity and a lot of relationship muscles that I hadn't flexed or worked out in a long time. Again, it had been seven years. I had been single by that point. So <laughs> I had a lot of growth to do and and then just who I wanted to be as a wife, what you needed in a wife. Like, it's, it was, it was, I was, ugh. <laughs> was that supposed to be English? <laughs> what was that? I'm thankful for the growth, but those were some that? hard times. Those were some hard times. <laughs> Y'all heard that, right? <laughs> All right. So, past that, uh, a good mother 
I, um, during quarantine, I had the pleasure of experiencing more time with Oso's family Mm -hmm. and she represents the mother that I want to be this new age intentional mother. Um, and I realized how much work it was going to be. And I, and I had baby fever for a while, like for a long while until that point. And then I was like, oh, it's not just a cute baby. Like. Whole ass baby. If I want, right? If I want to parent the way that, you know, my values are telling me, I'm going to have to do hella work on myself, change parts of my life, understand that I am sacrificing a part of my identity while I'm gaining a new identity, and then being aware of how much I'm impacting this living being. Like, and I was like, whoa. Not ready, not ready. My baby fever went out the window somewhere down the street, round the corner, like it was gone. <laughs> like I was like, whoa, not ready, not ready, I'm not ready. <laughs> and every time you talk about it, I'm like, I ain't ready. Nope, nope, nope. And it took it took about a year for me to go through my acceptance process and making sure that I was grounded in who I am so I don't lose it completely and I have access to it and I'm able to to come back to it. Um and I'm in a much better place now just because I had done that work. And uh, and that was just, I was like, I need time. I need time to accept it. And I knew, I knew that was my process. So I was very thankful for, again, having that experience and exposure with your cousin. Because um, I needed that. I really, I really did. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very thankful. And I'm in a much better place. I'm a lot more ready um, in understanding, you know, what, who... What changes I will have to make as a mother? Mm. Um, let's see. And then career-wise, so after undergrad, I have been working towards becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist and practicing therapy. And now I get to damn near 30, and it's like, well, on to something new. <laughs> and that shit caused... It was some insecurity, especially because I was like, I know other people are going to question me and I can't like combat it with them. Like I am not confident in being able to like withstand their disbelief or their misunderstandings and stuff like that. Yeah, that's why I don't tell people stuff. Like my dreams are way too big for other people's imagination. So Mm -hmm. why would I put a roadblock on my dreams just because somebody else can't see it? I don't Damn. need that energy. You see why this my man, y'all. Mm-mm-mm. Not everybody's meant to like your dreams should be freaking like they should be like almost out of this world. Like they should be ridiculous because mm. that's what they're supposed to be. Yeah. So somebody shooting down your ridiculous dream, mm. that's shooting down your potential to get there. Like, yeah. So. I, I was insecure in it myself, so I definitely couldn't share that with anybody. Yeah. But um haters. Yeah. But I no think bitch. I think of course you planting seeds, you encouraging me, mm. you believing in me was the biggest help. Um, but I also think like, you know, your consistent lessons of putting yourself out there, consistent effort, that kind of thing. That was it, you were drilling in it to me and it, I was hearing you, but it was hard for me to believe it. And then I watched um the Madam C.J. Walker series on Netflix so with Octavia was, Spencer. So all this is like 
like two weeks ago, just so y'all know. Yeah. <laughs> About is, a month ago now. Alright. So just so y'all know. This it's ain't very this ain't recent. Yeah, this ain't this she's talking like recent. you know, and I grew and everything was fine. This was like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> ah, so yeah. It was yeah. Okay, so it was it was a month ago and I watched the story and it just reminded me like she was a woman during the early nineteen hundreds and they hadn't even thought of a black first and then woman second being anything that she ever accomplished. Like right. she was literally visualizing something that did not exist in face of all the hardships. And I was exactly like, if she can do that, then I damn sure can. And that excuse y'all. And that allowed me to believe in myself again. It allowed me to dream again. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm very thankful for watching that. Now, mind you, I watched that thing before and it did not click in that way. So whatever you got to go through, the experiences you got to go through to lead you to that moment for something to finally connect, understand that process. Um, so, yeah, so I'm in a much better place. And then the, the final, the last straw was my aunt saying some bullshit. Oh, yeah. Which was what? Well, see, I want you this to say the like timeline. Last week, because <laughs> she be talking about week. it like it's uh, you know, I learned so it's much. Last week, so this is like when I was twenty five. <laughs> nah, this was last nah, week. <laughs> Insecurity still exists, y'all. But it was last week, and she was saying some shit. Basically, I'm gonna say what she was saying, but in more positive language. So you come up with how she was negatively saying this. I'm a content creator, I'm a polyamory advocate, I'm sex positive, and I'm queer. And I share my voice with the world. She had issue with that. And I was like, and she basically was saying that I shouldn't be doing those things. I shouldn't be sharing my voice. I shouldn't be talking about my sexuality or sex or polyamory. I should keep that to myself and I shouldn't, I shouldn't do what I'm doing. And I was like, oh. <laughs> well, now I'm definitely going to do it. <laughs> right? You know when somebody tells you not to do something, you just got to do it. And I'm like, oh, bet. Haters only motivate me. Yes, let's go. Subscribe to Life is Rocky YouTube channel, baby. Created a <laughs> you, you only said a word. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's one thing to not believe that I can get there. It's another thing to say that I can't or I shouldn't. Mm. And now I'm like, well, now I got to prove you wrong. Because <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where I am as of today. <laughs> yeah, as of today. Make a note of it, people. <laughs> Just now. I've had to deal with all this. I love all so these much. years. Ah, I'm in back in my own therapy. That's definitely helping. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Therapy, y'all. Yes. Helps. Go to therapy. Check out our therapy series for more information about that. All right, babe. Uh, last part of this question. And then we probably don't need to do the second question. We can probably go into either or. Yeah. Because we, we answered them throughout the show. Yeah. Um, so in my 20s. So, yes. What was your biggest insecurities from ages 20 until 30? So... <laughs> From ages one to ten, we talked about the chicken pox for me. Mm -hmm. From ages uh, 10, ten to, to 20, twenty, manhood. We talked about manhood. Um, I think twenty to thirty, thirty is where I'm at right now, is understanding myself in relation to um 
I, I kind of had to divide my 20s to 30s into like two halves. Yeah. So yeah, it from happens. 20 to 25, <laughs> that's when I was trying to figure out who I was as a person, as a man, um, in a relationship. So that was my longest committed relationship to my ex was from 20 to, I think I was like 25 when we broke up, 24, 25. Um, so yeah, about a four to five year relationship, um, two years of no distance. So from 20 to like 22. So yeah, I must've been 24. Yeah, there it goes. That makes more sense. So from 20 to 22, you know, that's my Hampton boo. We, 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 we good from 22 to 24 was long distance. And that's when I was trying to figure out who I was in relationships, like who I was, what I needed, and what actually were my standards when it came to relationships and what I'm willing to accept. So my ex taught me a lot of valuable lessons, but I was very insecure about being in a relationship and holding up to those values that I, I claimed to have had. So being the best partner that I could be, even though I actually cheated, you know what I mean? Uh, being the best communicator I could be although I didn't even know how to communicate that I couldn't be with somebody who was uh like thousands of miles away from me and I needed actual physical touch and physical um proximity to my partner so just finding out myself a lot about myself when it comes to relationships and, and the woman that I want and what I want in a partner so that plus I'm going to grad school for marriage and family therapy so like and that's a whole growth journey in and of yeah. itself. So I'm finding out and researching about all these techniques about connection and structure and boundaries, all these things that are staples in my just vocabulary and understanding now where it's like when I see certain things in a couple or within even our relationship, I'm like, I call it out. I'm like, look, that looks like this. I'm, I'm letting you know I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> So I just come out and be like, yo, what's up with this? You know what I mean? It's not looking too good. Uh, but yeah, I think that was that that section. Um, mm -hmm. So from 24, 25 to 30 now was me finding out um, who I was outside of relationships. Mm -hmm. So me figuring out who I am as a man, as uh, a creative, um, as a... Uh, a male figure in my community um that was a one that was unexpected like i jumped in to the community wanting to help him and by that very nature i became a mentor and a role model to a whole bunch we of need young men positive black men yeah. role models so yeah and I, I didn't even know like it wasn't like something i, I set out to mm -hmm. do it's just like literally by wanting to help i fell into that and then mm -hmm. people started relying on me in that way. And then I, I'm still trying to figure that one out a little mm -hmm. bit um, and balancing that. I with, think you're, you're uh, grounding yourself more with smart love yeah. and, and you building your manhood kind right. of series. Mm -hmm. that, that's really where it's going to come into play because I, I found out about burnout and all those other things as mm -hmm. well when it comes to helping out, especially young men. I don't have the capacity for it for everybody, to be real. And... I just have to be honest about my yeah. my capacity to deal with those things. Otherwise, I'm doing a disservice to myself mm -hmm. and to those who could potentially be getting help from someone who could be all in. Mm -hmm. 
um, when it comes to that. So musicianship, producing, getting into that, um, confidence when it comes to me approaching and being social, uh, me like approaching women, me talking to women. But again, like it was more so exploring my own self-confidence. It wasn't necessarily about the women at all. It was like I was hurt by a woman. I need to mm, mm-hmm. still be able to interact with women and be comfortable around them. So I, I literally would put myself in situations that I was uncomfortable with mm-hmm. in Walk, order to grow. Walking know? up to the baddest girl in the room. Walking up to the baddest girl I saw at a party and just shooting my shot. Knowing that I might miss, but who cares? I, I have to prove to myself that like I can still go up to her mm-hmm. and let you have the confidence to do that. Once I did that, like little things like that, I would I keep challenging myself over and over. I'm gonna do the same thing now because I wanna reacclimate myself to the environment Jesus. post post COVID. You know, yo, what I mean? we gotta retrain. I, I mean, I already know. Like, I'm gonna be. I honestly don't. No, I don't think I'm gonna be rusty. I think I'm gonna be excited. Overly, yeah, I'm gonna be overly jumping. eager. I'm gonna be overly eager. Eager, if anything, I'm gonna be like, yo, what's up, yo, what y'all doing? You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, hey, you wanna have a conversation? I, I just need to like. Mm-hmm. Simmer down, breath. baby. Simmer down. Take a breath. Because uh, it's been a while. I've been cooped up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that it was finding out who I was as a man outside of anything other than myself. Finding out truly who I was, how I'm like empathetic, how I'm like an empath, how I am sensitive. But that doesn't mean that I'm weak. That doesn't mean that I'm a punk or a pushover. <laughs> Very much actually the opposite. Because I know I'm a caring and kind person, I protect myself and my peace and my energy above all other things so that I can do and share that light and love with everyone else. If I don't protect it, then you're going to get and infiltrate my peace and my energy. Therefore, I'll have nothing to give to other people, which is what I love doing. It's why I'm able to do this podcast, why I'm able to set up stuff like Smart Love, why I'm able to feed light into you when you feel like you don't have it and other people it's because i was protecting it for myself but if i just let anybody have access to me you know that's their energy that they could take and they might not even do nothing with it <laughs> you know what i mean they might just be like oh that made me feel good for that one day and then that's it meanwhile i put so much effort into trying to make you feel better or do all, all these other things like before i used to prioritize and again i think that might have come from insecurities my uh, from the 10s to the 20s <laughs> of wanting the person on the other side of me to like me more than I liked myself. Mm. And that's where the hiccup came. Mm-hmm. That's where like the problems came. Mm-hmm. And that's where the insecurities really started to manifest into negative habits when it comes to interacting with women, not reading red flags, not putting myself first, not knowing myself. That was the biggest real insecurity that I had to get over. It was not knowing me, yeah. you know, because I think from the one to 20, 20 to like 25, 20, 29, up to 30 where I am now, I, I think those experiences shaped me, but I had to figure out what parts of those you wanted were to me. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't, you're not defined by your past. Mm-hmm. You get to define your past, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like yeah. you did what you did, mm-hmm. but you get to decide the meaning behind those past events and whether they're going to apply to your future or not. So Powerful, that's baby. that's what it was for me. Like that was really the change when it comes to 
25 up until now to 30. Like I really understand myself way more. Always a constant journey. But now we we be kicking it. We I talk to myself. We be chilling. <laughs> we be having full like reflections mm -hmm. out loud just so I could get my mind right. Like all those things. Like things that I might have been ashamed of even saying out loud or admitting. Like, oh, I talk to myself or I'm vulnerable with me and I reflect. Like, yeah. It's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what happened to those insecurities, how I got over them was really looking in, going deep and looking in. Sometimes it wasn't pretty, but I went in and I came back out the man that I wanted to be and continue to want to be and grow into. So that's where we at. 30, baby. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of our two sides of yeah. the same coin segment. We are going to take a short break and come back with our either or both and segments. All right, y'all. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Peace. For now? For now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got y'all. I got y'all. <laughs> All right, y'all. <laughs> Welcome back. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. We back. We back. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to let Oso answer first. Okay. I don't even remember the question. Um, <laughs> just because we didn't really have a coin toss to win so yeah we was, was pretty I, even split. yeah because no we didn't flip it it's, I know. it's okay i'm just flipping it okay so people can see um but since i went first for all the questions in the last segment i'll let you go first in this segment okay okay that's fair sounds fair yes <laughs> all right so remember our either or <laughs> segment forces you to choose between an either or or before explaining how it can be both and or just elaborating more of your choice right Okay, so the first question is, we were kind of talking about it earlier. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Either you own your insecurities or your insecurities own you. Ooh, oh, yeah, I remember I came up with that. That was a bar. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to go with own your insecurities for 500, Alex. Questioning if I should do devil's advocate. <laughs> um what she about to do yeah i kind of want to do the insecurities on you <gasps> Ooh, yeah, that was that i kind of want to i, I want to hear your shit no go ahead i know but, okay all right so i say you should own your insecurities because once you truly embrace what it is that you fear or uh, have an insecurity about, it loses its power automatically because part of an insecurity mm -hmm. is that level of shame mm -hmm. or embarrassment, embarrassment mm -hmm. or whatever else. So you're taking away a huge piece of whatever that is. That's true. And then, so that's by the wayside. Boom, that part's gone. So then you're left with what? What is it that you're insecure about? Then you look into the insecurity and you try to understand it. And then when you pick that thing apart, you can understand, like, that's why we went through, like, our past from ages one all the way to 30 or 29 in your case. <laughs> um, and that's why we did that, because you're able to track now, like, okay, how did I come to be insecure about 
my so many different things. You know, but yeah, <laughs> for my example, like okay, about my chicken pox mm -hmm. and my marks and my scars. How did I become insecure about that? Oh, I was teased when I was younger about that. When I went on this trip and I got chicken pox and I went from being super social and everybody was cool with to being like, oh wait, am I gonna catch it? Like you know, game, like children play those little games, <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> you know how it is. Kids hey, are mean. Kids are mean. Like this is what it is. We know. We know oh. this. Um, but now that you understand that, you can take a different meaning and different approach by it. And that's what I mean by owning it. Mm -hmm. Because once you understand it, you understand the origins. Like you've done a whole like chapter case study on your own trauma and your own insecurities. Once you truly dive deep and understand that, that also takes away the piece of the insecurity that feels like it owns and defines you because now you're looking at it versus the insecurity looking at you like you're not worthy. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're flipping it. Mm -hmm. You're like, what is this little thing that's been bothering me so much? And what is it in context of my broader life? Mm. And then from there, you really do get to own it. You get to choose. You get to rewrite how you look at your insecurities. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean by owning it. To be honest, like that's it right there. Like those pieces, mm -hmm. it was a process for me to get there. But once you own it, man, you mm -hmm. own that motherfucker. Like you aren't tripping about this. I take my shirt off almost every fucking day. He does. I love it too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to feel the sun, like just, or if I'm walking outside, sometimes I just feel like, yo, my body looks good right now. Fuck it. Let me show it off. Like that's the level of confidence that we, we've reached at this point now. Mm. I said we like my inner self and shit, Aww. damn. <laughs> but yeah, that's what you want to get to. You own that motherfucker. Fuck them insecurities. They don't run shit around here. Mm -hmm. I think the perfect example to explain you owning your insecurities is Eminem and 8 Mile. Mm hmm. When that last rap. Yeah. What the fuck you gonna say about me that I haven't already said about myself? What do you got? What do you have that I haven't just told everybody in this crowd? You like, got nothing. If you own your shit, can't nobody come for you. Can't nobody come for you. Like there's literally nothing that anybody can say. Like people watching the video or whatever else like that. There's nothing you can say about me, about my appearance or anything else like that that I haven't said or looked at by myself. Mm -hmm. Or if you did point out something new, I'd be like, I'd probably laugh at it. Like, that's so insignificant to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, just like shit. I, I've had people say shit about my ears and I'm like, I love my ears. It's a little, little sharp, little pointy, little cute, little ear thing. I, I like that shit. So other people, but that might be the thing where it's like they hate people with small ears or some other shit. Or some people might think my ears look big. Cause they have smaller ears. Who knows? Like everybody has something. But if you own that motherfucker, can't nobody own you? Yeah. You know. It's a rat. Eight mildum bitches. Yeah. Great example. All right. So I'm doing devil's advocates. Yeah, I want to hear how you going how you gonna pull this one off. And I just I wanted to take the stance <laughs> because a lot of people aren't doing the work. Mm. A lot of people aren't like aware. The stuff that I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, a lot of people aren't aware of their insecurities to then be able to do the work in reflecting and understanding and redefining them. That's so true. I wanted to come from this place to present that perspective because a lot of people are allowing their insecurities to own them. Mm -hmm. And how that They're running them. Exactly. And how that shows up is <laughs> projection one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You we know, gotta talk about you that. You know, like, good God, when I say something to you. And you go the fuck off. I'm like, 
Well, that wasn't me. Right. <laughs> that right. was I didn't touch on something those, that I was unaware those of. Responses did not mirror <laughs> no. my actions. Nope, nope. So some going on. That There's was, a different energy behind that response. And I'm and I ain't come with it. You know, and, <laughs> Being therapists and you're able to read people Quick. a lot more. You're like, Whoa. So, so like I can quickly like I didn't touch on an insecurity. This is what the insecurity is. Do you know that it's an insecurity? This might not be the time to tell you. <laughs> Yo, you gotta go through all that. You'll see. You'll be like, mm, <laughs> like okay, all right. Well, I guess it's my time to go. Yeah, you be like, ooh, what was that? Nope, nope, no. Nah, I saw that. Nah, <laughs> I saw that red flag. You know, honey. yeah. So. So that projection onto other people um, where you're putting your shit onto them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be clearly defined. It's just... I've seen an example of it recently. I forgot what it was. But it's, it's, it's either the overreaction or bringing up shit that wasn't even mentioned. Like, how the fuck that got to right. do with, <laughs> you know? Like, you connected some dot that was not there. Right? I'm like, where did that come from? Could it be next door? Or uh, the, guy, the older guy? Yeah, maybe. Sorry, uh, a fire truck just pulled up outside of our house. So, so. yeah. We well, probably we're, we're wrapping it up yeah, anyway, yeah, so we we'll, we'll, up. we'll check it out. But, um, but yeah, I... Yeah, it is. So that's one way that it, it presents itself. Um, also, your fear about your insecurities without having faced them can damage mm. your relationships. Ooh. Because. Speak on that. It, it's like. If I'm not aware, it's just. I'm scared mm -hmm. because I'm insecure. So then I may hold on to you tighter. Mm. Or I may force you to do this. I may be more controlling in this aspect because I don't want mm -hmm. that. Like it, it can definitely show up in relationships, romantic and platonic as well, um, because of your insecurities that you may not have explored or acknowledged. I always say this. It's like the paradox. It's, yes. It's, it's you doing the very thing that that's going to actually prevent you from getting the goal that you want. So if I'm insecure about you leaving, right, mm -hmm. I get hella clingy, like you're saying, like, oh my gosh, oh my god, you can't go nowhere, you can't mm -hmm. go nowhere. And then mm -hmm. it's like she wants to go somewhere because I'm always on her. Mm -hmm. So the very thing that I wanted doesn't happen because I'm insecure. Whereas if I just lay back and I know I'm the man, I know I'm the vibe, she gonna want to be around me. And then she does want to be around me because <laughs> what? I know that. Mm -hmm. Versus me being like, oh, do you want to be around? Do you want to? Like, that's too much. That's the very opposite of what you would want. Mm -hmm. And it's producing the opposite results. So that shit happens all the time. Yeah. Insecurities are they, famous for that. Yeah. So that's uh, two examples that I can think of of insecurities owning you. Can mm. you think of any others? Um,. Yeah, the, the controlling one is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. uh, I think projection when it comes to even fidelity in relationships is a big one. <laughs> like, <laughs> cheaters are notorious <laughs> for thinking they're being cheated on. Yes. I'm like, I wonder why. Right? Like, you're telling on yourself right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think those are the, the, the bigger ones. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last final question Ooh, of the it. show mm. well that was interesting <laughs> <laughs> sorry 
housemates upstairs. Yeah. All right. <laughs> got some noises, y'all. <laughs> a lot happening. Okay. Last question. You ready? I'm ready. Let's All do right, it. Let's do it. Are insecurities only developed by other people? Yes or no? Mm. Oh, wait. We have two more questions. Okay. That's cool. We could just go into it. Okay. Next, yeah. I'm not wearing my glasses or contacts right now. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, I would say no. Insecurities are not just developed from outside sources. I'm gonna say yes. They are. They are developed. Damn that only. <laughs> All right, devil's advocate again. I don't. Uh, okay, say you know why you know. Right. <laughs> so I would say no because there are a lot of times where we have self-talk, mm-hmm. um, and although I think self-talk is a product of what's been modeled to you, like as your mom and dad speak mm-hmm. to you as you're growing up, mm-hmm. I do think those become the voices that you hear, like conscious mm-hmm. that people talk about, mm-hmm. uh, that little voice that tells you what's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. That honestly is just, I think like an amalgamation of all the voices and things that you've heard going into your ability to understand them, like decipher language at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it comes a certain point where your insecurities can be based on your own thoughts about you versus other people's thoughts about you. So kind of what I was saying before, like when I came home from the chicken pox, I could have came with the assumption of, Everybody's gotten this before. Everybody has scars. Everybody's done this. Like, they won't take, think of it as a big deal. They'll welcome me with open arms, and they'll think of me as, like, oh, they want to make sure I'm helping. I'm helped out. They want me to catch up on my homework, et cetera, et cetera. I could have thought all those things. Now, would that have been the reality? No. But if I would have thought all those things, I would have went into that situation different. I went into school thinking they're going to pick on me. Mm-hmm. They're going to make fun of me. Mm-hmm. They're going to do this. Was that true? Yes. That was accurate <laughs> as fuck. You know what I mean? Aww. Accurate than a motherfucker. Oh, baby. <laughs> but it is what it is. Like, we got to be reality-based here. You know? You know, that's how you, you mitigate the, the hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. But I still think the mentality was me. Like, that, I made that situation worse. And then that led to more people picking up on that insecurity. Mm. And that creates, that's like, the cool. feedback loop. Again, people can see that shit. <laughs> Just like how you can see a confidence. Like, I know yes. when. Like, I literally Exuded. walk into a room and I know, like, I feel it. I, I yes. feel like eyes on me because of just shoulders back, you know what I mean? Just walking, Ooh. like, I just feel good. I, I feel other people feeling my vibration. Same thing when you, like, yeah. all, like, crunched up and, like, uh, people can feel that same energy. So, mm-hmm. that's what I would say. I don't think it's always external although external is a heavy factor i think i'll say this most insecurities are created through external factors but the majority of the but but the insecurities grow because of your internal monologue about them Mm, okay i'll say that okay all right all right so i said yes insecurities are only developed because of other people Um, so I'm coming from the standpoint of one of our fundamental needs as humans is belonging and love. So that's seeking belonging from other people. That's seeking acceptance. That's seeking approval. Other people 
tell us what the norm is. That's our parents, that's our peers, that's our community. We're just born into a world and we're told what's acceptable, right? Right. <laughs> right? So, and when you don't even know yourself, you just take that, right? So if everything that, say, how do I structure this? Okay, so if internal insecurities wasn't an option, mm-hmm. like there was no way that you could feel a certain way about yourself and it was only external, it was only external huh? and everything was normalized. Okay. So like... There's nothing taboo. There's nothing taboo. I had glasses. Nobody made fun of it. Nobody I had cared. braces. Nobody cared about it. They more celebrated and stuff like that. Would I ever doubt myself if it was never a problem? Yes. But that's what I'm saying. I I feel like it's uh, chicken the, before the egg. Like it's. I, it's, I think. It, yeah, it is. It definitely is one of those things. You know? But I think you would still have a problem in that like dream scenario where everybody's like, mm-hmm. do you? Everything's cool and there's no judgment because you still have an internal comparison to other people. So like mm-hmm. in this marketplace, so just because you had glasses mm-hmm. and all that doesn't mean that that's everybody's vibe. So then if, if other people are getting more attention who don't have glasses, you'll look and pick up on that and be mm-hmm. like, mm, why am I not getting the attention of the girl who... That's is, true because you know everybody mean? was getting braces around that time. Right, and and that's what I was saying. Like when it came to the chicken pox, like I thought I could have taken that stance, and then everybody would have been understanding. But I took, I already went into my Mm -hmm. like shell. Shell, So I I was like, as soon as I came back, I was like this. Uh, I knew people were saying stuff, or I assumed and all this other stuff. But that was my fault, you know. Mm -hmm. That was that was things within my control Mm -hmm. that I could have done to make it easier. Okay. Well, I will say a lot of my insecurities had to do with external factors yeah. <laughs> so most most of them are. you know like it was yeah i think the ones later in life were more internal but definitely my early years it was yeah and that's external. and that's why i was saying like the mm-hmm. process my my greatest gift i think truly is my ability to reflect because mm-hmm. that allows me to question all my thoughts sometimes it's bad it's like i, I have positive thoughts and i'll be like well you sure you want to do that i'm like I got. I got like, yeah, I want to do that, motherfucker. Come on, let's do. Let's get this. Let's get this money. Let's get this. Let's go in the gym. Let's do whatever. Like whatever positive thing it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that same reflection and, and questioning comes into those insecurities too. Like, so why the fuck do you care about what he thinks or what she thinks? Mm-hmm. Do Do they even interact with you outside of that interaction? What was the last time you interacted with that person outside of that that negative interaction? Oh yeah. And it would be like, damn, you're right. This motherfucker's not even in my life. The only reason why they came into my life was mm-hmm. to do something negative. For sure. <laughs> I, I had a mantra my junior year of high school mm. where it was just fuck what people think. Because I was so wrapped up. Mind you, my earlier years, all my insecurities were based on other people's perceptions of me. So I really had to just get a fuck what people think and do me and be confident in me. And yeah. like, I, no matter what they think, I think I'm great. So let me fucking embrace that. Yeah, act you accordingly. Know? Act with that same mindset. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Hell you know? yeah. All right, now the last and final question of the show. My bad, y'all. All right, is... Ooh, okay. <laughs> Are you ever not insecure? Yes or no? Hmm. No. No. 
You're never not secure. <laughs> my insecure. my instinct is God. I hope not. Well, I, yeah, I, I hope that you are that at some point in your life, specifically like retirement age, there's some things that you just like. Please, <laughs> please. Nah. But I'm gonna say no. I, I don't nah. think there's ever a point in time where you're not insecure. But nah. I I want there to be. And as I'm thinking about it more, <laughs> I, I I'm 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 more like confident in my answer being no. All right. Well, explain. as I'm saying it, elaborate. So. I've seen clients from all age ranges. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting doing this experiment in this format. Mm -hmm. um, and every last one of them has had insecurities, no matter That's how true. successful they've been, no matter how many times they've learned certain lessons. Mm -hmm. uh, they could have learned lessons and then some pops up that they never, like maybe a repressed thing or whatever, like who knows? And then that brings up another insecurity. But like life is a bunch of things happening to you and then you interpreting and accepting and reacting to those things. And those things can be traumatic, you know, and those things can be life altering. It can change things up. Like the example of you with motherhood and everything else like that, no matter what, you're going into a new position that's yeah. going to make you insecure. That's true. When it comes to, because when I thought about it, I was talking about my pops and like how we have had, yeah. had discussions and I, I was talking about like, you know, this whole, rites of passage thing that we're trying to do and, and formulate for our children going forward. And I remember my dad feeling insecure about that because he was like, damn, I didn't technically do that for you. And it's like, it was nothing to hit for him to feel bad yeah. about. And I, I wanted to reassure him that like, that wasn't like a, a smudge or like, uh, you know, tarnishing his brain as a dad. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was still a great dad. Mm -hmm. um, he's, you know, like, near and dear to my heart loved the guy like no problems at all like I, i'm so glad he raised me the way that he did but like that was just a gap because you don't know everything yeah. you won't know everything so you're always going to be insecure about and we're something. in the age of information so there's yeah. just levels <laughs> i think it's more about like you leaning into what parts of yourself you want to strengthen and bolster up mm -hmm. um what things you want to give value to and what things are you okay accepting that you're insecure about like mm -hmm. it's okay to accept insecurities as being a thing mm -hmm. it's not okay to accept them controlling mm -hmm. every aspect of your actions yes. and that's why i say yes. owning your insecurities yes. is is yes. different than eliminating them mm -hmm. but owning them gives you control and a narrative to structure how you're going to live your life even with those insecurities in place beautiful <laughs> yeah <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I want there to be a day where it's <laughs> where it's like it's over. Like, like, I am, I am I'm so, done. I'm, <laughs> I'm fulfilled I'm, in everything. Like, There's no geez. void. <laughs> but as you explain life cycles and life stages, that makes a lot of sense. That I will constantly be experiencing something new, and uh, I may have some insecurities about it. Yeah. And and that's okay to just reflect and understand them, redefine them, um, and yeah. Because uh, who will I be when I'm retired? Right. You know? No idea. Yeah. So, like, I assume I'm going to be like this dude who's in the studio playing music all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows? Yeah, I don't I don't know. And then who will I be as a grandmother? Who will I be as a great-grandmother? Like, yeah. I don't know, you know? Um. Oh, and definitely, like, as my children decide what to do with their lives and stuff, and then my grandchildren decide to do with their lives, the vision that I have 
for my legacy and my lineage could be totally different. Could be totally different. Yeah. So I could be feeling some insecurities about that. So yeah, definitely. Um, it's always something. It's it's always something. Yeah. You have to, yeah, again, accept it. Like if that was the case, like all my children doing something totally different than I'm doing, mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to accept that, that that's, that's the path that they took. Uh, Ergo the podcast, books, and all the other shit that other people can take. Yeah. <laughs> We impact more than just our children. Right. That's that's the goal is to leave a positive impact no matter what. Yes. Um, we would love to do it with our children, mm-hmm. but we have no control over whether or not they fully go in one direction or yeah. fully go in another direction. Yeah. They're autonomous human beings. We mm-hmm. can influence, and that's about it. And that's up to a certain age. Right. <laughs> and then it's like, well. well I mean, you, you, we talked about it <laughs> yeah. from ages 1 uh-huh. to 10. Uh-huh. Those impactful years, those insecurities and all those things mm-hmm. that still shape us to this day. And that was but, peers. Right. And those were <laughs> peers. We ain't talking <laughs> about parents. parents. Yeah. But like like we said, owning those insecurities and all that stuff, that's mm-hmm. that's the way to go about it, y'all. Um, we're all insecure. Don't act like you're not. It's okay. Admitting that and then owning it is what, how you get that confidence and how you lift that burden of that insecurity. You know, do some exploration. Yeah. That was scary, but it's worth it. It really is. I, there's not been a time where I haven't like done some self-evaluation work, some self-development work, some deep reflection work where it hasn't benefited me. It might have been difficult. It might have been like I might have been procrastinating on it or uh, avoiding even doing the work because I knew I would have to have that deep conversation with myself. And challenge myself on the ways that I was doing things or thinking things. But on the other side, I can't ever say I regretted it. Ever. Mm, Not once. Never. Yeah, the growth process. Yeah, sometimes you be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Be a bitch. Be a bitch. But uh, when you get on the other side, it does feel a lot more rewarding that you've gotten to that place. And that you did the work to get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it for today's show. Yeah, y'all. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't even think I have any other announcements, nothing else like that. Make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel, please, yes, people. Please, please check us out. Mm-hmm. Watch the full videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, subscribe to Rocky's new channel. Life is Rocky. Life is Rocky. Subscribe to my channel. Old but new content. <laughs> Smart <laughs> Love is finally back. A male, a black male's perspective on relationships and advice, it's it's back. I'm 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 leaning into the space. I know there's not a lot of black men therapists. I'm out here. I'm gonna be talking about that from a masculine perspective. You know what I mean? For all the men who are like a little iffy about what's going on in the world, because <laughs> you're like, oh, I don't know where to find like a, a masculine man who to talk about my needs and understand me, but still understand that I have to heal. I'm that guy. I'm I'm the literally the person who, if you follow my journey, I've gone through that shit where struggles of masculinity, but still doing the healing work, understanding that masculinity doesn't have to look this way. So check us out. We're 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 gonna try to help and on your side with the women mm-hmm. and toxic femininity. We're trying to help out both both of us within the community so we can form these healthy bonds together. Yes. No matter what like form of relationship that comes in Mm -hmm. if we can heal each other and be the best versions of ourselves we're gonna be good so that's our goal check us out on all those platforms subscribe 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 and thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it (laughs) so yeah thank you so much for listening to it's so real with your girl rocky and your boy Oso. you have a beautiful day take care of you all right y'all peace and love always we'll catch you on the next one we out (laughs) Thank mm-hmm. you.